Hello and welcome to SAE Tomorrow Today. I am your host, Grayson Brulte. On today's episode, we're absolutely honored to have Quentin L. Messer Jr., CEO of Michigan Economic Development Corporation. On today's episode, we discussed why Michigan has always innovated and why Michigan will always continue to innovate. We hope you enjoy this episode. Quentin, welcome to the podcast, sir. Hey, thanks for having me. Really honored to be here. I'm really excited to have you here. Michigan is building the future. Michigan has a long history of innovating. And one thing we know about Michigan, Michigan will always continue to innovate. So can't wait for you to pull back the curtain and, and on this wonderful state and why they keep innovating. But before we get there, you started your career in New Orleans, home to great music. You got the Neville Brothers, Dr. John, and then you go to another great city, Detroit, and you got Motown. So you got this beautiful musical heritage running through your career. Why did you go from a great city, New Orleans, to, to Michigan? Great question. Thank you for having me on. I, it was a very difficult decision, but uh, there were really three things, ultimately. Uh, one... It's rare to go to a state that has transformed the world twice, the automobile and Motown. Um, And that notion of inventiveness is not something that you can find anywhere else. Uh, Second, uh, economic development is all about the product you have. And by product, you mean the people, the talent, the quality of plays, the industry, the, the corporate base, the entrepreneurial, the great universities, the great community colleges. And Michigan has all that in space, and it's a beautiful state, which was stunning. I, I didn't, I'm a native Floridian, had lived in other parts of the Midwest, other parts of the Northeast, but hadn't really spent a lot of time in Michigan. And I was just was struck. And I, and I think the final point is America is best when Michigan is at her best. It really is, in many respects, the truest barometer of where we are as a nation. Coming out of World War II, when the American automotive industry was blowing and going, people from all over the world came to Michigan. America was at its zenith in many respects. There were a lot of problems, obviously, race and other things. I'm not mitigating. I'm not saying that the 50s or 60s were happy times. Trust and believe. But when you think about the fact that there was a sense of the possible. That sense of the possible is really an ingrained notion. And I would say it's a very uniquely American notion, but I think it's nowhere more captured than in Michigan. And I would love to be a part, and we are a part of of re-energizing and bringing that back. During World War II, Franklin Delano Roosevelt called it the arsenal democracy. It's truly amazing what happened at Willow Run, what happened in the automobile factories, Detroit powered the allies to, to win World War II. And the other thing about Michigan, I have a lot of friends in Michigan, the sense of pride that they're from Michigan. They are proud. And the last football game when Michigan beat Ohio State and all my buddies and I have friends on both sides, the Michiganers were so proud. Where does the pride of Michigan come from? Because it goes from one generation to another generation of just we're Michiganders and we're proud to be Michiganders. It's a great question. I'm, I'm new. You know, I'm, I'm less than six months into it, but I've fallen madly in love with it. And it's, and it's hard for me to, to believe that would have happened because, as I tell people, I lived in the city, New Orleans. It's like I've lived in New York and I've lived in New Orleans. And two remarkable places. But New Orleans is like a part of the novel, a character. 
Whereas Michigan, it's this sort of strong, silent, supporting actor that's very much in the background that doesn't say very much, but you feel the presence. And I think that tremendous sense of pride of place of being a Michigander is because of, I think it comes just the openness with which I've been welcomed, the grace that I've been shown, just people willing to sort of explain things to me that you, you when you're in the UP, you have, it's not a pasty, it's a pasty, and you <laughs> should have it with ketchup and not gravy, although there are some gravy adherents, things of that nature. And, but that, that sense of decency, hard work, integrity, um, and teamwork, Team Michigan. And I think that's why you saw such pride that, that the young men from, from Ann Arbor got it done. And I think there's another thing that kind of, in a way, unique uh, connects New Orleans to Michiganders. I think both have been underestimated. Both have been counted out, you know, whether it was after Katrina or Deepwater Horizon in New Orleans. For Michigan, it was the auto industry in, in 2008 and some of the challenges that befell Detroit but both are back. And Michigan is really on the, descend- on the ascendancy. I-, I caught the train at the exact right time. Michigan is thriving. It's, it's the home. It was the home of the automobile. Now it's becoming home of the electric vehicle. The investments made by Ford and, and GM and all the incredible engineering talent that you have there. So you're in the role now for about six months as CEO of the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. How would you explain to the listeners what is the Michigan Economic Development Corporation and, and now being newly appointed CEO, what are you hoping to achieve in that role? Yeah, great question. So the Michigan Economic Development Corporation is really a public-private partnership that is focused on expanding upward economic mobility for all Michiganders. So how do we do that? We have to tell the story of Michigan. So you know the Pure Michigan Tourism Campaign. That's part of what we do at Michigan Economic Development. But we also have to tell the story of Michigan's continued inventiveness. As you know, the fact that the history of electrified vehicles will be written in Michigan in large measure. Um, We have to continue to attract, retain companies. We have to catalyze entrepreneurship for small businesses of all sizes, big, small companies that are gonna go public and companies that are created to create multi-generational wealth opportunities. Uh, We also have to work more with employers and job candidates to catalyze more high-wage skills jobs. And then ultimately, we have to develop attractive places. So we're one of the few economic development organizations that have a significant community economic development because there are tremendous small towns and, and, and quaint villages throughout Michigan who provide that that quality of place when after you've had a hard day's work and you want to have perspective, you can quickly get to one of our great lakes. You can quickly get to a quaint small town and walk over a drawbridge or walk in a beautiful park. All those things come together because at the end of the day, economic development matters only to the extent that people matter, only to the extent that you've tangibly transformed the lives of men, women, and not only just their lives, but their children, their grandchildren, their nieces, their nephews into the future. And so my vision is really anchored on three big picture things. One, it takes a team. I'm a huge sports fanatic. And what you realize is that one single person is not going to win a championship. You have to bring out the best 
an entire team. And the fortunate great thing about Michigan is that Michiganers do have that tremendous pride of place. They're ready to, to, to dig in and, and compete and figure out how do we get better. And I think constantly making sure that we at MEDC, the Michigan Economic Development Corporation, are focused on our customers. Our customers are incumbent Michigan companies. They are those that we would love to have move to Michigan, but they're also Michiganders who are looking for opportunities not only to work for someone else, but to start their own businesses. Um, And so we need to make sure that we keep our eye laser focused on the customer. The second point of vision is we want to continue to be a place where inventiveness and risk-taking are awarded and that we have a continual top-of-mind view when entrepreneurs and companies are thinking about where can I go where there's hard-working folks, risk-taking is rewarded and encouraged, and we have an atmosphere, a a pro-business atmosphere. We want Michigan to be top-of-mind. And the absolute last thing is is that we want to make sure that Michigan works for all Michiganders. There are 10 million of us. There are 10 million different stories of Michigan. We have uh, citizens of sovereign nations, um, and, you know, our, our Indian and tribal community. We have BIPOC community, you know, Black and Latino and folks from the near and, and far east. We have rural folks. And we need to make sure and we're committed to show that inclusivity, the fact that Michigan has always welcomed the world, that that still works. And that is a big trigger as to why we're so inventive. It's beautiful. It's true. The, the beauty of it is true. I think from whether you're a Democrat, a Republican, no party, independent, Michiganders can agree that the arms of the state are wide open. And I just had someone say something profound to me as a business leader in the state said that once Michiganders know that you love Michigan, they'll love you back. And that's very true. Uh, and we really want to make sure that people have a perception of today's Michigan, not maybe what you thought you heard or maybe what you heard after 2008, 2009, or, or what you thought you heard in the 80s. And that's not to say they're not challenges, but the thing about Michiganders is that they don't walk away from challenge. They run to it. They embrace it. They seek to conquer it, and and more often than not, they do. And very similar to your background in New Orleans, you don't give up. Yeah. New Orleans didn't give up. Detroit never gave up. Detroit, you talked about innovation and innovating. I want to highlight this. Industries outside of automotive, outside of the incredible medical stuff, you have new innovative that are inventing new economies. You have StockX that's found in there that's completely changed the secondary market of goods. That's born and bred in Detroit. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the whole StockX, the whole notion of how we go about home mortgages. You know, we have multiple industry leaders in that sector. Uh, you know, we, we have revolutionized almost com- uh, consumer product design with new rubber made over in Kalamazoo. Um, you go over to Grand Rapids and you have tremendous companies there, Amway. You, we, we have revolutionized the office furniture industry. Three of the largest are headquartered within about 30 miles of each other in West Michigan. And you can go on and on, Hemlock, Semiconductor. I don't, I don't want to name check because inevitably I'm going to upset somebody and forget. <laughs> but um, the point is, is that one of, the, one of the funniest things about 
Michiganders are, they're so humble. It's very much a, well, the work will speak for itself. And in the South, <laughs> there's this old adage, it ain't bragging if it's true. And I think one of the <laughs> things that we have probably in Michigan not been as good about is telling our story, making sure that people understand that there is dated perception and there's today's reality. And we all know the difference between and the lag time between perception and reality. We're happy you're here to tell a story. And I don't mean to name check this company, but this is important. You have a Zynga. They're revolutioning financial data. It's happening in Michigan. It's not happening on Wall Street. Very humble. But look, they just keep growing and keep growing. Happening in Michigan. And hopefully these companies can maybe band together with your help and tell the story of why they decided to found in Michigan, grow in Michigan, and stay in Michigan. Because once some of these companies have some successful, successful exits, now you've got an incredible economic ecosystem and they start seeding this company, this company, and before you know it, you've got an incredible innovation hub happening there. When you, you see, so you've got all the pieces to do really great innovation for companies to grow and thrive and you have larger corporations in the state and pull, pulling this back for a minute. How would you describe the current business climate in Michigan? You mentioned that it's welcoming, but is there anything where you're speaking with a company Hello, Mr. Meiser. We're thinking about relocating to Michigan. We'd like to know what is your climate? What would you say to one of those companies? Look, there's always room for improvement. But I think what people will find about the Michigan business climate is really three things. One, a commitment to making sure that companies understand their centrality in moving our communities forward. Uh, I think there's a responsiveness in government, uh, I know from our MEDC, we're going to be, we've got work to do, but we are constantly focused on process improvement to make it easier for companies to engage with us. And I think you will see that across, uh, across at all levels of government, across political ideology, is that commitment to making sure that the customer experience with government is, is as solid as it can possibly be. The second thing about the environment is they're smart people who are in Michigan, so you have tremendous treasure trove of talent. And more importantly, you have people with integrity. You know, you have people in Michigan who know how to wake up every morning and work, some of them, very difficult jobs. Don't complain. Proactively support their family, support their friends, become great community partners. And they keep doing it year after year, day after day. That consistency, that, 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 that focus on mission and I think the final two things are one, the Michigan business front, there really is a, there's competitiveness, but it is a team. I think Michiganders band together and they do rally to the flag of Team Michigan. And I think the last thing is, you know, as, as the old adage go, you know, all work and no play makes Johnny a dull boy or, or, <laughs> or, or Jackie a boy, a dull girl. Man, what a great place to play. Michigan. I mean, you are less than, I think in most places in Michigan, you're probably less than 30 minutes from a lake. You know, the scenic beauty of our Upper Peninsula, our, 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 our thumb, um, you know, Western Michigan. I mean, it really is um, the, the energy of Detroit. I mean, we've got it all. Whatever you want. If you want to go and just be by yourself, you can go do that in scenic beauty. But if you want energy and pulsating, Nightlife, you can go to Detroit. And if you want sort of uh, big city amenities and a 
smaller environment, Grand Rapids and Kalamazoo. So it really is a remarkably wonderful state. And I want to point something out. I, I think this is very funny for me. Somebody showed me a photo of a beach and it was a lake in Michigan. I said, this is beautiful. There's no way this is in Michigan. It's really incredible when you, if you kind of zoom out and, and you look at, like you've beautifully described, Michigan as a whole. There's a lot more to Michigan than just Detroit. Absolutely. I mean, it is, um, but you know, that is, there are very few states or even provinces in Canada that aren't defined by their largest city. And I think the obligation to challenge the onus is on my colleagues and the onus is on me to make sure that people understand, yes, Detroit is a significant, vital part and forever will be a big part of Michigan. We're grateful for Detroit. We wouldn't be Michigan without Detroit. But you also got Flint, Saginaw, Lansing, Muskegon, Holland, Grand Rapids. You have Marquette in the UP. You have Iron Mountain. You have Escanaba. I mean, you have Alpena. You've got great places. And you know, one of the things that people forget about, and I would be remiss if I didn't discuss it, is that Michigan is the second most diverse agricultural state in America behind California. And so we have an incredible agricultural sector. Uh, and no matter how technologically savvy you can be, you always don't need to eat. And yep. Michigan um, provides tremendous agricultural resources from sugar to bees to soybeans to cherries to you name it. And that type of richness and and is also advancing in the areas of food technology and agribusiness. So very excited about the totality of Michigan and want to make sure that we tell that story more forcefully. Michigan has a, a, a diverse businesses. We talked about ag, automotive, medical. Is it the university that are constantly that serving that talent pipeline and, and educating the workforce? Is that where a lot of that talent's coming from, tapping into to all the wonderful, great universities there are in the state? I think, I think uh, it's a great question. Universities, community colleges are certainly one part of it, but I think our um, skill, trades, tradition is another part of it. Um, so we have proud union heritage. And I think unions uh, sometimes get a bad name. And I think people don't fully understand how much they are very actively engaging and making sure that there's talent and workforce development. For n Not everybody wants to go to college. Not everybody wants to go to college immediately at age 18. They may want to go back at 30, 35, 40, 50. But most people want to contribute to society. And some people have different modalities, different learning styles. And in, particularly in this era of very scarce labor supply, we see so much the need for skilled men and women who are the skilled technicians that are going to drive the innovation that happens in the automotive mobility sector, in semiconductors, in, in food technology, food processing, in life sciences, in fintech. And I think the great thing about Michigan is its commitment to making sure that people have that upward economic mobility because we want to create and we will create a state of lifelong learners where people understand whether you graduated from college or grad school or went to high school or, or, or go to college late or community college late, the notion that you always want to keep keeping that mind alive, keep pushing the boundaries of your imagination because it goes back to that one word that describes Michigan, inventiveness. 
Michigan is a place that has built things that were not in existence before. Very few places can say that. We, we always have to, to keep learning. And I've had a, been very fortunate to have a lot of mentors in my life and a lot of individuals that give me really good advice. Is, is the apprenticeship program still very big in Michigan where a, a younger individual becomes friends with a, an individual that's well-skilled, say, in, in welding or in agriculture, and they can learn all those skills and the individual passes it down to the other individual? Is that still a big part of the Michigan culture as it relates to industry? It is. We need to probably activate it more. I think it is probably more accidental than it should. We need to make it more intentional. Uh, I think that's a, a, a big part of why we benefit from having organized labor, because that's still a cent- central part in the skilled trades industry. But we see more and more across industry sectors that need and that connectivity, and particularly in this hybrid work environment. There are so many things that, that, that I may have understood from an academic perspective that I didn't really fully understand until I got involved professionally and became a professional. And I think that notion of pattern recognition, that's what the apprenticeship model really helps you with, pattern recognition, so that you can learn to identify the problem, understand your approach to solving the problem, rinse and repeat, and do that more rapidly in future sequences so that you can address bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger problems in the future. That's how you move the needle forward. I would argue that's how society progresses. And I think that we have some very serious thoughts, not ready for prime time yet, but how do we in Michigan, Team Michigan, make sure that we do that on a, on a at scale and not allow it to happen by verge of accident? If you do it at scale and you include vocational skills or, or schools where individuals can go learn carpentry or they can learn welding and team with an apprentice, you've got something special going on. And on the other side, the individuals that are trying to learn to code C++ or a language and they could perhaps have enough programmer to teach them there. Now you've got the beautiful worlds coming together, you have the digital world and the physical world coming together and you're giving young individuals a path to succeed. And that's something that's really, really special. Michigan has a program called MI STEM. What role is that playing in developing the talent pool? Yeah, great question. MI STEM is really helping young people. And, and, you know, I've got three children and uh, two that are still under the age of 18, one adult. And I think the question that, um, and, you know, it's been a long time since I was a child. I'm in my, I guess, mid-50s now, is this whole notion of relevance. You know, our sixth grader was like, Dad, why does this matter? Why do I need to know how to do this? What's (laughs) What's the point? You know, she's 11 years old. She's very precocious. She wants to know what's the point. And I think that MI STEM helps young people understand what the point is. Is that we're not just talking about theory, but we're con- we're connecting a dot between what you're studying in the classroom. How does it bring you into life? I mean, everything we do, many parts of moving the t- technology forward, has to do with science, technology. Math, you know, engineering, but not everybody's 
built that way. I'm not built to be an engineer. But what I like to believe is I've learned to become a problem solver. I am not math phobic. And I think what we have to get people comfortable with is numeracy, being comfortable dealing with technology, not being intimidated from it. Not necessarily trying to become a master or, or becoming, uh, you know, the, the, the starters of, of StockX. Not everybody's going to do that. But you've got to be willing to upgrade from a flip phone. You've got to be willing to take advantage of apps that are going to make your life easier, life-saving apps, whether it helps you monitor your insulin level if you're diabetic, whether it will help you protect your home and your family and your belongings if you use Ring or some other product, if it can, it can help you look in on an, an older family member. These things are critically important. And in many respects, what it also helps you do if you become comfortable with STEM and you make STEM as inclusive as possible is it prevents isolation. There are people who are isolated right now because we're in a hybrid world. They're intimidated by Zoom or Teams. And what does that mean? How do I, you know, particularly, you know, the older you get, you, you know, it becomes difficult. And I think one of the things that as we think about STEM, we have to think creatively and holistically and understand that STEM is just the ability to constantly think about how do you invent? How do you rapidly solve the current problem, address the next one, solve the next one, address the third one, and keep going and keep going and elevating? But ultimately, there's always going to be a place for the A's of the world, the artists of the world, the liberal arts people, because ultimately, if you can't communicate with people, if you can't bring people to the technology, if you don't have an empathetic heart, a servant spirit, those things that have defined Michiganders for generations and will continue to find this great state and its residents, you've got nothing. A technology without connectivity and relevance to the people is just something that's pretty to look at in theory, but not changing lives in practice. We, we have to get over it's impossible I'm afraid I'm gonna I'm gonna break you're not gonna break you're gonna learn you're not gonna hurt yourself you're not gonna hurt anybody you're not gonna break it you're going to learn I, I look at a lot of communities and I have several friends that played in major league sports and they volunteer at boys and girls clubs and there's this uh, one gentleman played in, in the NFL for seven years and we talk a lot about he goes into the inner city and talking about kids. Oh, I want to be LeBron James, or um, I mean, he's since passed passed away, and rest his soul is Kobe Bryant. And he talks about all these incredible sports stars that played a large role in the African American community. And he says, "Learn about learn how to code. You can own the team." And then he goes, and he, "I love." Him. He goes, "Now you're the boss." <laughs> right. How do we get there for technology to? There's it's an incredible community with some of the smartest individuals I've ever met. But how do we break down that barrier and say, there's this really great stuff you can do. You don't necessarily have to be a sports star. You could be a sports star by being a technology person. I mean, I think that has been a question that's befuddled people. But I have, I have three thoughts. Um, and you see some of these enacted, but maybe not at scale. One, we should celebrate the coders, the nurses, the teachers, members of the clergy, the same way we celebrate athletes. And no one loves sports more than me. I am a sports nut. 
But why don't we have signing days for the kid who decides, hey, I'm going to enlist and become a Marine, or I'm going to go to college at Wayne State or, or Western Michigan or Michigan Tech. We don't talk about five-star recruits on the academic side or four-star recruits, and there's, there's no name, image, and likeness for the valedictorian of you know, Southwestern High School in Detroit. Um, so we gotta, we've got to show and align our values because children are watching. And so if we say it's important, we need to celebrate it as if it's important. Two other thoughts, I would say second, I think that we have to continually show that it's not an impossible thing. Although the, the, the logic numbers say it is far more difficult to become Kobe Bryant than Quentin Messer, a lot of people are going to think, oh, it's easy to be Kobe. But people don't know about the sacrifice. You know, what Mamba mentality wasn't just a cool phrase. It was a relentless desire to be better. And it was consistent. And it was dedication. And it was study. It was training of the body. It was discipline. It was all those elements that he got from probably his idol, Michael Jordan. And, you know, and I and I think that the the the, the chance why I will bet on Michigan is at, at bottom, you strip it all away, that comes to grit. That comes to just that. My dad used to say, and my mother was, now says my father's gone, but my mother would say, sometimes, son, you just got to want to. You got to have some want to about you. You just got to want to. You just got to dig. And there's going to be moments nobody's going to watch it, but you just got to, is it inside of me? And what Kobe and all the greats, you know, Regardless of of, of 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 industry, you know, a Barry Gordy, or Aretha Franklin, a Stevie Wonder, you know, those of Smokey Robinson, a Bob Seeger, you know, a, a Kid Rock, a Ted Nugent, an Eminem, I could call the role, you know, they just pushed it. And I think that we have to give that grittiness and, and, and we can't tamp it down in young people. We have to, as adults, be uncomfortable by the inquisitive nature. We have to be willing to understand and take time when they ask questions. And sometimes they ask the same question over and over and over again, or they go over the same point over and over again, but they're doing it because they're trying to process a world that is far more complex than we ever have. And I think that the last thing that I think we do, we, we have to address the mental. So much of what happens in fact, all of what happens in the physical realm is a manifestation of what happens first mentally. You hear athletes so often, and, and musicians do this too, or any artist, any, and, and athletics is artistry. You know, I hear athletes, someone, I visualize it. I vision, you know, I sat by the locker and I visualize plays. You hear quarterbacks talk about that. I visualize reading the defense and, or, or, or great point guards in basketball talk about or or Gretzky talking about, I skated to what a puck was going to be. Or great tennis stars, you know, you know, Djokovic, you know, I, I visualized the shot. And we have to make sure that we come alongside our young people and help them visualize a future for themselves. But we as adults have to be responsible to paint that. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so honored to work with my colleagues at, at the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. I w and I would be remiss if I didn't give honor to the uh, executive committee at MEDC, give honor to the Michigan Strategic Fund Board, 
the Michigan Economic Development Foundation. It truly is a team that has afforded me the opportunity to have the, the best job in economic development. And something tells me you're going to do something pretty special there. You're going to take your sports mindset. You're going to help these younger children adopt the, adopt the sports mindset and bring it to business. If you look at a musician, his shop, there's one of people in that club, they perfect their craft. Kobe's out on the, on the court for hours out end practicing and perfecting his craft. The same thing has to happen in business. And sir, you're the right leader to help these younger individuals perfect their craft. And you're the right leader as companies move to Michigan to help them perfect their craft and scale their businesses. And hopefully one day go public on the New York Stock Exchange. It happens in Michigan. Well, you're too kind. I really appreciate that. Um, but yes, yeah, a team approach. But I, I think you're absolutely right. You know, Malcolm Gladwell had that that great book. I can't remember the book, but it was talking about the 10,000 hour rule. And he had the story about the Beatles. And, you know, most people just think, well, the Beatles just woke up and they were the Beatles. But they played 10,000 hours and, you know, hole in the walls and dives. And they just, it became so second nature. And like you said, Kobe just hoisting shot after shot. Same with Steph Curry and, you know, Shout out, you can't talk about basketball without shouting out Magic Johnson. You know, from native Michigander or Zeke, you know, arguably, you know, one of the greatest small, Isaiah Thomas, one of the greatest um, little men ever to play uh, in the NBA. But you you don't become those folks or, or Stevie Wonder. But I think young people sometimes, because we live in an instant society, they see the end result, but they don't understand the process. I love watching Isaiah play with Joe Dumars and Bill Lambeer. That was a great Pistons team, and, and they played with grit. And you did not get under the boards of Bill Lambeer. You went on your tookie. It was a great, hard-fighting team that the Pistons were. Putting this all together, what is the future of Michigan? One is one I've talked about a lot. Inventiveness. An adjective would be bright. A third adjective is inclusive. And the fourth adjective is relevance. And so what I mean by, I'll in reverse order, we've forgotten our rural communities. And one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about a little bit about agriculture, it's vital importance. So much of Michigan is beyond the metro areas. It is in great small towns across this great state. And we need to make sure that it, that their quality lives and, that, and the great and the great quality of place and that sense of community can succeed for future generations. And so we need to make sure that we have relevant policies and programs that protect our agribusiness and our rural communities. Inclusivity. We've got to continue to welcome the world to Michigan. If you're integritous, willing to work hard, Michigan will, will embrace you. And we need to make sure that we always have the door open. And I know there are tremendous Programs throughout the state need to be improved, but there's programs that are aware of this. The, the, the point about Bright is whenever you have a great quality of place, you have a chance. And when you have great people with tremendous intellectual assets, you have a chance. But more importantly, when you have integritous people, you have a shot. And I think inventiveness I think there are a lot of things that are on the horizon. I wish I had more time to talk about it. But one of the things is understanding the full ramifications of extreme weather and climate change. It's not just something that's touching the energy sector 
or the mobility sector, but it's touching agriculture, is is touching the outdoor recreation sector. And Michigan has solutions in all those verticals. And we're going to be a, a winner when it comes to this whole um, sort of climate realignment, I would argue, that's happening in the world because of extreme weather. And you will see migration patterns um, change and Michigan's going to be a winner there. Michigan is America. There's no other way to, to sum it up or describe it. And Quentin, as we look to wrap up this ins- insightful conversation, what would you like our listeners to take away with them? Well, first of all, uh, thank you so much for, for your kindness. I guess there's three things. One, this is going to sound hokey, but a pastor <laughs> said it, and I really firmly believe it. Gratitude is the seed for getting more. And I think that thank yous are often in short supply. And I think if we could do that, and I think that's what's catalyzing this this energy, this momentum that's happening in Michigan, this sense of gratitude. One, uh, a second is we're better together than they are apart. We're all we have. And in this period where we have so many challenges that kind of have baffle and boggle the mind, we have to come together. We're not going to agree on everything. We're not going to necessarily have to agree on everything, but we have to treat each other with a certain fundamental level of dignity, fairness, and belief that at bottom, most people, all people, I believe, want to do the, the right thing. They want to be kind and compassionate. And the final thing I want people to know is Michigan truly is open for business. Please check us out at www.michiganbusiness.org. Again, that's www.michiganbusiness.org. And we look forward to welcome you in Michigan. We're not just pure Michigan. It's iconic, but we're also pure opportunity. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. As, as the wise pastor said, Gratitude is the C for getting more, and the pastor is 100% correct. I'd like to say it again. Gratitude is the C for getting more. May we always continue to get along and have really interesting conversations because today is tomorrow, tomorrow is today, and the future is Michigan. Quentin, thank you so much for coming on SAE tomorrow today. Thank you so much, sir. Happy holidays to everyone. Thank you for listening to SAE tomorrow today. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please kindly rate, review, and let us know what topics you'd like for us to explore next. Be sure to join us next week when we discuss the future of autonomous trucking with Daimler Trucks. SAE International makes no representations as to the accuracy of the information presented in this podcast. The information and opinions are for general information only. SAE International does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, service, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast. 